Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley, and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around, and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep, and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. For my first real episode ever, I'm talking with Mike Kaufman. He is currently the Senior Director of People Operations at EF Education First in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Mike has made a few significant jumps between his big law practice and his current position. You'll hear all about those twists and turns and how his path inspired my own career transition. Hi, Mike. Thanks for being on the podcast on the very, very first episode ever of my podcast. So uh, it's an honor to have you. Hey, Megan. It's an honor to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. Um, So let's just jump right in. Um, Can you give us a little background maybe about what made you go to law school in the first place? Yeah, so I went to law school straight out of undergrad. um, And I was um, a little bit of a maniac in my undergrad career in that I had no idea what I wanted to study. I knew that I loved to learn um, and I sort of loved to be challenged. And so that took me in a variety of directions. I started out as like a majoring in biology and in the sciences, thinking maybe I would go to medical school. And then I kind of pivoted to like literature and English. And then that led me to journalism. Um, and going into my senior year, I realized that I didn't want to be a journalist. This was back in the early 2000s when print journalism was dying. Um, so yeah. I decided to... <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so I decided just to start, I kind of had completed all the uh, requirements for the journalism major. And I I spent my senior year just taking classes that I was more interested in. So I took some business classes and ended up taking three different law classes, um, like a business law class, a con law class, and a First Amendment class. And just found that I liked them and they sort of came naturally to me. Um, And because I had no real skills, I had no idea how to find a job. um, I decided, hey, I'll take the LSAT, see how I do, and maybe go to law school. And so that was really the extent of my thought process. I didn't like talk to any lawyers. I didn't bother <laughs> trying to do an internship or working in a legal office or for like a government agency. I just kind of thought I'm going to do this. Um, yeah. And so I did. And so I ended up going to law school right after I graduated, started that next fall. I think that's a common story. I do not think that you are alone in, in sort of going, I don't know, it just kind of happened. And then I was at law school. So <laughs> don't feel like you're alone on that one. No, I think I did. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> No, I, I did know people and, you know, I have lawyers in my family. And when I couldn't figure anything else out and announced I was going to law school, my dad said, can't you think of something more interesting to do? <laughs> Spoken like a true lawyer. I was like, yeah, I was like, nope. <laughs> so, so yeah, so I think it's, I think this is a common story among, among us. Um, so you went to law school. Did you enjoy law I school? I loved law school. So as kind of yeah. unprepared as I was for it. I loved it. I felt yeah. challenged by it. I was really interested in the things that I was learning. I felt like I was surrounded by really smart and driven people who I was learning a lot from. Um, I made good friends there. I met my wife there. So that's a huge bonus. Yeah. Um, so if for nothing else, it was worth going. the biggest takeaway. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest benefit of law school, but I did, I, I actually loved everything about it. Um, and I thought I was going to love a career as a lawyer as well. 
Yeah. So um, what area of law did you go into? So I ultimately went into banking and financial restructuring. That was the name of our department. Um, And it was basically um, sort of, it was uh, like a credit practice. So basically representing big companies and sometimes banks and their lending transactions um, when markets were good. And then when markets were bad, helping those same companies either restructure their debt or go into bankruptcy. Um, It was not my intention when I was in law school that I would go into that practice. I always thought actually I would go into litigation. Um, That was sort of what interested me the most, where I sort of geared all of my law school learning and experiences, all my summer associate experiences. Um, And in fact, I did a clerkship right after I graduated um, in a federal court in Virginia. And so that was always my plan. And I had actually accepted an offer with a law firm to go into their litigation department um, in in Los Angeles. Uh, But my wife, who I wasn't yet married to, uh, the year that I was clerking, she had just finished her first year practicing in Boston. Um, so very late in my clerkship year, decided to move to Boston. Um, this was back in 2007, um, when already the legal market was beginning to anticipate what happened in 2008. And so the market was tightening, the job market was tightening. And by the time I was finishing my clerkship, it was pretty well impossible to get a job in Boston doing litigation um, because I think, you know, the law firms and even the government agencies were beginning to freeze hiring. They saw what was happening with the economy. And so um, ended up getting a job in the bankruptcy department, big firm in Boston. And I jumped at it uh, because it was, you know, after months of job searching, really the only job that I got. (laughs) Um, So decided that, hey, (laughs) some jobs better than no jobs. So ended up in in banking and financial restructuring. Yeah. And so, what was good about that or not great about it? Obviously, it sounds like it wasn't sort of what you had in mind in the first place, but. Yeah. So, I mean, what I liked about it and what I liked about the firm where I worked um, was it was challenging. Like, I always did enjoy the challenge. The problems were kind of big and meaty, and I knew so little about it. And so, for the most part, every single thing I worked on um, was brand new to me, and it was sort of a new learning opportunity. And so I loved that, and I loved sort of coming out of the other end of a credit agreement or you know, working on a motion in the bankruptcy court and feeling like, okay, this seemed really daunting in the beginning, but I worked hard, and I collaborated with a bunch of really smart people, and I figured this piece of it out, and that felt good. That felt like an accomplishment. So I liked that, um, and I liked the people that I worked with. They... I mean, to a person, we're just really smart, um, really accomplished, really kind of interesting people. Um, you know, I worked in a, a big firm in Boston, and so it was kind of fun working with people who were some of the best at what they did in the entire country. Like, that's just a really cool feeling and experience. So I think those were probably the things that I liked most about it. Um, I think the second half was, what did I not like? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, that's it's it's, so it's hard to articulate the the first thing that i can say is i just didn't like this practice like i didn't like the practice of credit transactions and banking and finance um i am so not motivated by money um money is something that's so unimportant to me so the idea that i ended up in a profession where all that we did was talk about and help people get more money or save more money was sort of the the irony of that was never lost on me um, but I just wasn't motivated by it. I felt like I never cared enough about it to like really become an expert in the bankruptcy code. I hope none of my former clients. Were <laughs> well, you were still <laughs> junior enough, I think that you know. I was very junior, yeah. Like, expert. <laughs> no, totally. And let's be real. I mean, I didn't do it for very long. Um, 
I just, I didn't like the subject matter. I do wonder sometimes if I had had the opportunity to go into litigation, whether it would have been a different story. Cause I just, I wasn't really sort of motivated by the things that my clients wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Um, okay. and then I, and Go oh, go ahead. Well, you finished, but it, it was going to lead me into the into the question of, you know, when you decided to to leave, what made you not go and sort of pursue a different practice area rather than, you know, leave the yeah. law completely? So I'll, I'll actually, I think the, the second thing I was going to say will inform the answer to that yeah. question. So I'll start there. Um, the other thing, and probably the bigger thing, was that I just never felt like I was myself when I was working. Um, and I think part of that is sort of a professional immaturity. I mean, you know, I, I clerked right out of my, uh, out of law school, but then this was like the first kind of office job I'd really ever had, like all, you know, all through college, um, and high school, I worked in like restaurant jobs and coaching and lifeguarding and things like that. And so part of it was just professional immaturity, which I, I recognize now with hindsight, but, I just, I felt like I was playing a part. Like I just never felt like the me that I am in my personal life or at home was the me who I was at work. And I didn't think I could be that me there. Yeah. That just level of discomfort was exhausting. Um, And that was probably honestly the the bigger part and why I didn't end up pursuing other areas of the law. I, I sort of did, but not for very long. I wasn't very persistent. Yeah. Um, I, you know, by the time I started looking, it was kind of late 2009. Um, and again, you know, this was like after Bear Stearns had filed for bankruptcy. Um, yeah. Everybody was filing for bankruptcy. And, you know, the firm where I, I, I remember, was. I remember that well. Yes. And everybody I, I was knew working. I wasn't long for the firm when I was like, oh, man, everyone's getting let go. Please let yes. me do that. Please do next. <laughs> I know. Well, so in, here's the thing. I, I also had like all of my friends and colleagues who were kind of, um, you know, really nervous about whether they might be laid off. And some of them yeah. that, that did become their reality. And I was like, oh man, I have the best job security. And isn't that a shame? Because I would love to get that package, <laughs> you know, similar know. to you. You and me both. I know. And so what was happening at my firm was we went from being this really small bankruptcy department to, taking on a lot of associates right. from the corporate practice and from the litigation practice who had capacity now because, you know, clients weren't paying for deals or for litigation. Um, and so, so I had this great job security. And so the couple of, you know, most firms and government agencies at this point um, and nonprofits, of course, just weren't hiring, you know, they they, they had freezes, they were laying people off. Um, and I did have one interview actually for a litigation job at a small firm and I went in and they said, oh, actually we want you to do bankruptcy. So it was kind of a bait and switch. And I was like, oh no, I have a perfectly ah. good bankruptcy job. Um, it's just, <laughs> right, right. it's just, that, that's not what you I want to You misunderstood what I'm doing here. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, I probably could have, uh, benefited from being a little bit more persistent, but I sort of figured out that I thought it would be a number of years before the opportunity to change practice areas would present itself. And at that point, I'd probably be a little bit too senior. I'd be kind of starting over. Um, and I just didn't have the patience for that. And so that's why I ended up taking the leap and, and leaving the practice. And so how did you leave the practice? What, Where did you go and how did you decide to go there? Yeah, so I went to school. <laughs> um, which I don't know, kind of looking back at it feels a little bit lame, but it helped me get to where I wanted to be. Um, my thinking at the time, so I ended up going um, and pursuing uh, a master's in higher education. And um, 
my thinking at the time, I did, I did do a lot of informational interviewing. So, you know, while I wasn't sort of finding interviews for legal jobs, I was doing a lot of informational interviewing with people who did things that I thought seemed interesting. And one of the things that I did is I actually called um, the Office of Career Services at my law school and talked to my old career services advisor because he was somebody that I really liked and respected and trusted. And he was somebody who had been a lawyer and now did law school career services. And I always did kind of think his job was cool, even when I was in law school. And so I talked to him about that. And, um, you know, he offered to connect me to colleagues from his network who were in the Boston area. So I did a few in-person meetings with some of those colleagues. Um, And then I kind of expanded within higher ed. And I talked to people who were in student affairs and academic affairs and was just trying to kind of understand the landscape. And I began to think that, you know, education is something that was really interesting to me and that I was passionate about. um, And I thought, you know, maybe this could be a cool next step. Um, And so ended up enrolling in the higher ed program. And my goal was kind of twofold. Um, I sort of thought, you know, I had this law degree and experience that probably would differentiate me from a lot of other people who are working in higher ed, although I think I've come to realize that's not necessarily true. Um, well, at least not in law schools. Like, definitely not in law schools. Um, but, and I also thought I have this skill set too that I sort of developed in law school and through practicing for a short amount of time. And so I thought, you know, at least if I go to this program, um, the program that I went to was um, a little bit choose your own adventure. There weren't a lot of required classes. And so I was able to take a mix of kind of education policy classes, and then also kind of like Mm -hmm. practical higher ed classes, including, you know, a big internship component. So I thought, you know what, I can kind of study the policy side. And if that's a path that I want to go down, then maybe that's something I could do. And I think, you know, my legal training would also come in handy there. Or if I wanted to do something a little, you know, more in, you know, sort of in the industry and, and working in the higher ed environment, I can do an internship and, you know, figure out if this is something that I like. So unlike my decision to go to law school, which I just jumped into without doing any research, I decided this time I'm going to make a more informed decision. <laughs> and so, I mean, this seems like a pretty thoughtful series of, inter- you know, interviewing people, thinking about what they do, sort of having an option that would lead to a few different paths. Yeah, that was the goal. I mean, I think I, I did learn from, you know, <laughs> it's, it's key as you grow. Um, <laughs> I learned from the mistake that I made when, when I went to law school. And I had a hunch that I would really like working with students. That was kind of what I kept thinking is I think I'd love to work with college students or law students in some capacity. But I wanted to have the opportunity to test that while also developing some other skills in case that wasn't the case. Um, so I, that's what I did. And so I ended up doing that. And I got an internship working about 20 hours a week. Um, in a, a law school career services office while I was um, in, in that degree program. And I found out that I did love it. Um, I had a chance to do a little bit of advising and some like program development and some employer outreach and, you know, a lot of kind of market research. And um, I really loved it and enjoyed it. And um, I felt good that sort of that hunch was confirmed. So after you graduated, um, where did you go from there? Um, so actually, before I graduated, um, a so I was in in Boston, and um, a job opened up at Boston University School of Law in April of that year. And so I was in the middle of my internship, and um, you know, finishing up the program. And I interviewed for this job, and I got it. Um, and so my internship was really great about letting me end a little bit early. Um, so I was basically like working full time for the last you know maybe six weeks of that degree program, um, which felt good, right? Cause it's professional school and the whole goal is to get a job right. and I got the job that I wanted and, um, and it felt really good and, and I loved it. And so the role that I went into was, um, in the career services office at B law. And, um, it was 
working specifically with um, 3Ls and with alumni. And so um, a lot of the 3Ls who I ended up working with were people, probably about half of them were pursuing sort of traditional legal jobs. Mm-hmm. And probably about half of them were pursuing things that weren't considered traditional legal jobs or that were like JD preferred or not at all. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of the alumni that I was working with were people who were looking to make a change, um, either in sort of the sector that they were working in or the environment they were working in or their practice area or more commonly, you know, away from practicing altogether. Yeah. I did sort of find in law school that that was an under, uh, sort of discussed option for people. The idea that, you know, you get on that kind of treadmill of everybody's going to firm jobs. And I don't think that we really think about the other places we could go straight out of law school even. I definitely didn't. And I don't remember anybody talking about that. Do you? No, I, I mean, 0%. I, I think it may be a little bit different now that the legal market has shifted as opposed to when we were coming out of law school. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I, I still, I don't think it's, I don't think that this reality that a large percentage of lawyers end up not really wanting to be lawyers is, is really addressed significantly at the educational level. No, I mean, I think it's bad marketing for them, right? Like yeah. they're trying to sell, they're, they're trying to sell seats. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. Um, yeah, no, I think you're right. Cause it's, it's, it's interesting. So when I went into career services, so by this point it was 2010 and um, this was a new role at BU actually. And so, and this was them really recognizing one that the market for entry level legal jobs just wasn't there. Right. Um, and, and that was definitely the case. I mean, I, I hope I'm not divulging any kind of trade secrets. It's been 10 years anyway, so it probably doesn't matter. <laughs> but, you know, when I, before, before 2008 at a school like BU, you know, kind of ranked in the top 25 or whatever mm-hmm. in the U.S. News and World Report rankings, um, you know, somewhere around like 65 to 75% of their graduates were going to like AMLAW 250 firms, right? Like just going to big firms. And so these schools could just count on it. You know, if, as many of the students as we admit, these big firms are going to hire most of them. Yeah. And by the time I got to BU in 2010, that stat was closer to like 35%, right? So there was this huge portion of the class that they just had to find something to do with. Yeah. Um, and so I think the schools and the students became much more receptive to this idea of, you know, sort of JD preferred or even what they were calling at the time. I don't know what they call it now, but alternative <laughs> careers, which sounds kind yeah. of funny. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how long were you at BU then? Um, not long. Um, so I was there. <laughs> this is kind of a trend. Um, just under well, two I years. Think it's an interesting trend because I also think that when people start to think about where they might jump to, they get a little bit paralyzed by thinking they have to be a hundred percent certain of that jump that they're doing and yeah. find the right thing to do. And I think your story is interesting that you went back to school, not a hundred percent sure what it was going to be and then took a job and weren't there that long. And, you know, you still seem like you've survived. And thrived. <laughs> I'm surviving. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, so I ended up, I was at BU for just under two years and it was, um, and, and, uh, you know, to be clear, I actually, I loved that job. I loved working at BU. I loved everybody I worked with actually, um, on, Thursday, um, we we have B unions um, with everybody that I worked with in that office. Like every oh, six wow. months, and on Thursday, we're having a B union where we're all getting together. And and most of us haven't worked together for you know ten years. But um, so I, I actually really loved it. And I ended up um, after just a few months in that role, I ended up um, going into a new role where I had the opportunity to kind of 
manage um, the team that did all like the private sector advising. So um, it was just a series of like people leaving and being in the right place at the right time. So I ended up taking on a pretty cool role where I learned a ton and had a ton of leeway. And because the job market was so difficult, there was a ton of support from the administration to try new things. So it was it was really mm-hmm. fun. I, I loved that job. And part of what I did a lot of was kind of employer relations when I was in that role, just really trying to mm-hmm. get employers to come and recruit our students, right? Because that was the biggest challenge. Um, and as a result of some of that work, I ended up actually being recruited away to one of the firms that I worked closely with. So one of the, the bigger firms in Boston called Choate Hall and Stewart, I had a relationship mm-hmm. with their hiring partner um, just from, you know, recruiting that they did on campus. And they had uh, a role that became open um, to be their director of legal recruiting, um, which was a job that I never thought I was qualified for. You know, I remember the job description saying that they wanted somebody who had at least 10 years experience in law firm recruiting. Um, you know, so it seemed like this really big, impossible job for me. I never even considered applying. And, and you know, when he reached out and said, hey, would you consider interviewing for this role? I just thought, well, why not? Right. Um, and then yeah. suddenly I had it and I was like, okay, I guess I'm going to do this now. Um, so totally unintentional, but I just thought, what a cool opportunity. And so I went with it. Was there any part of you that was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go back into the belly of the beast, even in a non-practicing role? Was it like any question about the environment that you were going to be in? Yeah, there was. That was probably the only hesitation. I mean, just to, you know, mm-hmm. to be really candid, the pay was considerably better. Um, it was yeah. a, it was a much bigger job than I had ever had. You know, it was reporting to the managing yeah. partner of the firm and it was managing, you know, a decent sized team and managing a big budget and a lot of responsibility. So professionally, it was sort of this job that I didn't think I'd be able to get for another 10 years. And so that felt really great. But yes, my one reservation yeah. was, is this going to be an environment where I can, I can really be myself, honestly, because that, that was sort of what was definitely missing when I was practicing. And I found that at BU. And I found that I was able to be so much more successful when I really felt comfortable being able to do that. So as you moved from, you know, those, did you feel like the skills that you had had developed both as a practicing lawyer and in school and at, um, at BU, then how did those translate into what you were doing at the firm again? Yeah. Like, did it feel like a waste of time that you had had these previous experiences? No, not at all. I mean, they, they actually prepared yeah. me really well for the role. I think, you know, on yeah. the one hand, um, because so the firm that I practiced at was a firm called Wilmer Hale, which has a big presence in Boston. And so I sort of had like instant credibility with all of the lawyers at Choate and with all of the partners. And so that helps, right? They're like, okay, you know what we do. You've done it before not for very long. And they asked me that directly, like, you didn't last very long. What happened? Um, so, uh, which was kind of fun, you know, I got to address that. Um, so yeah. yeah, so that was great. And then also it, it was true. I, I did know, I did kind of understand, you know, what it's, I mean, I've never been a partner at a law firm, but I understand that like they have no time. And so I have to communicate with them in a certain way and I have to be really prepared whenever I'm meeting with them. And I have to make the most of the time that I get with them because they sell their time. Right. And that's really important. Um, I, and I kind of knew the legal landscape. I knew where to find lateral associates for certain practice areas and things like that, just as a result of having gone through recruiting myself and having a lot of friends who were, you know, lawyers in different firms. And so I just, I kind of knew the industry. Um, and then definitely the work that I did at BU was great preparation because I, you know, I sort of had been talking to hundreds of students every year about why they're attracted to certain firms and why they're not, right? And I got to see what 
you know, every firm in the country does to try to attract students or what their interview strategies are. And I kind of knew what worked and what didn't, you know, and so I think that was that was attractive to them as well. And then what, <laughs> and then what happened? So I was at <laughs> Choate for just under three years um, and it was it was a good experience. I learned so much. Um, I grew so much. It was also at a time when the sort of legal job market was recovering. And so it was a busy almost three years. Um, I was working a lot and we were an extremely lean team. Um, the, the team that I kind of inherited or the structure that I inherited rather when I came um, had been a structure that had been cut down during the sort of 2008 to 2010 time period when they weren't running a summer program and they weren't really doing any lateral hiring and um, they weren't experiencing any growth, they were kind of contracting. And so, um, you know, for Mm -hmm. the almost three years that I was there, it was quite the opposite. You know, we ran big summer programs and we did a ton of lateral recruiting and the IP group grew tremendously. Um, And so it was really busy, but I was still operating with the staffing of a recruiting department that wasn't really doing any recruiting. Um, and so that became right. really challenging. And at the same time, um, my wife, who is a lawyer and who works large law firm hours, um, she and I had a baby. And um, when she was going back from maternity leave, it became clear to us that one of, the, one of us just needed a little bit flexibility or else neither of us would really see our kid. Right. <laughs> and so... And so that I, you know, did some soul searching because again, I was, I was, I was really happy at Joat. Um, You know, I, I, I felt really good there and I felt really proud of the work that we were doing and I had great relationships there, um, but it just became time yeah. to make a change. Yeah. So how did you go about thinking through where you'd go next? And if, you know, obviously it sounds like one of your criteria was something that would allow you a little bit more flexibility, a little more time. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I have no good advice to offer anybody. Because, <laughs> um, I didn't really do a ton of searching. I sort of like decided one day that, geez, I think this is something that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably in that same week, actually, a mutual friend of ours told me that um, he had a friend who was head of people at this education company called EF Education First, which has its North American headquarters in Boston. And she was looking for somebody to come in and do kind of executive level recruiting and also to do MBA recruiting. And he said, you know, you know how to recruit lawyers and you know how to recruit law students. You know, you should look at this. It's a really cool company. Um, You know, it sort of aligns with what you're passionate about and how you like to spend your free time traveling and things like that. Um, So he introduced us and probably a month later I was working there. (laughs) So it was really, it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But don't undersell yourself on what you did to put yourself in the position of even being thought of for that, that job, because a, you're, you're networking. That's part of it. Right. Yeah. And B, you know, you followed a string of things that interested you, right? You're yes. like, okay, I'm going to go back to school. Okay, this this career thing seems cool. I'll go do that at a school. All right, I think I like the recruiting side of it at a law firm. Okay, I think I can do recruiting outside of the legal sphere. You know, there is a there is a string of things there that you had to go through those steps to be eligible for that position in a way, you know? I love how you say that. I should I should have written that down. <laughs> so I, can t- I can tell a more compelling story, but no, I, mean, I think you're right. And I think really one of yeah. one of my goals. I mean, I, when I decided that I didn't think 
that I could do this um, this role at Choate anymore. Um, I knew that I couldn't do it at another law firm either. And what I became really excited about was having a chance to work in a different industry because really my entire, from the time I graduated, all I had done was work in the legal industry. Um, and that's you know great and cool and I learned a ton, but I was really excited to have a chance to work in a different industry. And so that was... Um, you know that that was sort of really compelling to me, but you're right, and it was it was also kind of trusting. I mean, the one thing that I was really cognizant of was that it was going to be a steep learning curve because I was going to go work for this really big international private business. I was going to have to learn how to do things like recruit a CFO and recruit a president of a business and recruit a chief marketing officer. You know, things that I just didn't know anything about, and also learn how to do MBA recruiting, which I figured was probably similar to law school recruiting, and it turns out it's actually not that similar. Um, and so, but I but I felt like I have at least a foundation of skills that I can use that I'm comfortable with and that I can offer and that I can kind of lean on to be successful while I'm trying to figure out the rest of this stuff. So that was, that was very much the strategy. Um, yeah. Also with kind of an eye toward, I had figured out by then that I didn't think I probably wanted to be in recruiting my entire career. And I wanted to go to a business where maybe I'd have the opportunity to try something else functionally um, in the future yeah. and which I felt like maybe EF could offer. So I think you've answered this, but just sort of looking back, jumping completely out of the legal sphere, was that was there any part of you that was like, whoa, now I'm really leaving? Was there any part of you that had been holding on to any idea of going back to practice or just being in the legal sphere in some yeah. way? Or were you just mostly excited by the challenge of doing something? I was new? excited, but I was really nervous. That was, I think, probably harder actually than leaving the practice of law. Um, cause even when I left and mm. thought maybe I want to go into higher ed, I thought it would probably be at a law school because I did have such a positive experience there. And because I felt like, yeah. you know, I have this special training, so why not use it somehow? Um, so yeah, that did feel a little bit more final actually than the step away from practicing. Yeah. Um, and the biggest thing was, I mean, my whole network, I mean, I, I think about, you know, you use LinkedIn a lot as a recruiter. And I think about when I first got to EF and I was like, I have nobody yeah. who's not a lawyer on my LinkedIn. You know what I mean? Like, right. I know it's a very insular because all you, you go to law school and then you go work at a firm and every, all you do is, you know, hang out with other right. lawyers. And most you of know? your clients are lawyers, right? Cause they like work in the in-house yeah. legal departments yeah. and like everybody that you meet. Right. No, exactly. And like, that's how you and I met was because you know, we had mutual right. friends from law school and things like that. And yeah, so yeah. Um, that was a little bit scary. And I had a lot of moments. I, I always say like I experienced culture shock in the most wonderful way possible. But um, when I when I started at EF, because EF is, although it is a, a big company, it really operates like a startup and, you know, like there's no dress code, there's no offices, there are no cubicles. It's just completely open workspace. It's really casual. It's a really young company. When I started there, the average age of our employees in the United States was about 27 years wow. old. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah, that so is definitely was, on the other end of the spectrum from a huge, you know, <laughs> law firm. Totally. I mean, I went from, especially when I was at Choate, you know, there were, there were six of us who were kind of like the functional heads that reported to the managing partners. And, you know, I was, I was the youngest of that group by quite a bit, which is kind of common for whoever's in the recruiting seat, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, it tends to be slightly younger, but um, I was quite a bit younger. And then when I came to EF, I was like, I'm so old, <laughs> you know, and like, right. people like call me Mr. And things like that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, so it was it was culture shock for sure, and for probably nine months, I 
was convinced I had made a big mistake. Um, oh, interesting. And, and yeah, and was really sort of questioning my decision. Do you think of yourself as risk averse or tolerant of risk? Because, you know, when I think about lawyers in general, you know, myself included, um, but mostly all of us, there is some level of risk aversion. But in your story, it feels like, you know, are you just inherently less averse to risk? Or like, how do you have you always sort of felt like that? I just I, I talk to a lot of people who just don't seem like they could ever make that jump. And was yeah. it something that you battled with? Or is it just sort of natural for you? I'm pretty risk averse, which yeah. is also probably why I was not a great, like naturally inclined lawyer, <laughs> because I don't, I don't have that sort of sense. But yeah, I am. I'm pretty. I, I, I'm. Or I'm, I'm. I think I said risk averse. I'm actually. I'm sorry. I'm risk tolerant. I, I, I was very excited. I, I, you know, I'm calculating and I'm thoughtful, but I'm willing to take risks. And I did think, you know, this might be a big flop, but I also and maybe it's misplaced, but I had confidence that if I wanted to get back into the legal industry, I, I probably could, you know, those Mm -hmm. jobs come around every so often, maybe not at the director level, maybe it would be starting over in like a manager role or something like that, which would have been fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, so now how long have you been at EF? So it'll be, um, so four and just over four and a half years, it'll be five years in November. Wow. So this is, is this a record now? <laughs> yes, by like a lot. <laughs> yes, this is. And it's, it right. is still a joke with my family and with my wife's family. Um, they can't believe that I'm still there. People <laughs> still ask me every time I see them. So where do you work now? Right. <laughs> um, but, you but, yeah. have, but you have, um, you have transitioned roles within that company over the course of those years, right? That's right. Yeah. So I spent um, almost like a year and a half in that recruiting role that I described. Um, and then after about a year and a half, um, the opportunity to take on leadership of the human resources and benefits team for North America uh, sort of presented itself. And um, and so I've been doing that since. But actually, you know what's funny, Megan? You you asked in one of your questions earlier, you said, like, had I was I hanging on to this idea that maybe I would practice law again? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no, I was not. Um, Although I have maintained my Massachusetts license, um, yeah. just in case, because it's easy and they don't require CLEs. Yeah, as, have, <laughs> as have I, because I'm like, they should definitely require CLE, but if they're not going to, this is going to be very easy. <laughs> right. Why not? You just pay the inactive fee. I mean, I did, exactly. I let go of California. I held on to it because I, I had the California license when uh, I, because I was thinking about going to LA. It's a lot harder to get back. <laughs> it is. And I, yeah. but I, at, the, at some point I was like, if I ever want to practice in LA or in, in California generally, I'm going to have to do like 700 hours of CLEs. And I was like, that's just never happening. So I did, I finally let, let that one go a couple of years ago, but I actually, so I, I did not think I would ever practice law again, but actually the way that I ended up getting this HR job, interestingly enough, was, um, in my recruiting role, I got to know, um, the legal department really well, um, not because I was working a lot with them, but just because I sort of had some connections to them and we hit it off. And, um, they were looking for a junior lawyer at the same time. And I was ready to do something different. And um, I really liked everybody in that office. And I thought that the legal issues that the, that EF you know, works on were really interesting. Um, and so I actually, um, with my manager's permission, <laughs> um, <laughs> went to the general counsel and said, I know it's a little bit crazy because I haven't practiced law in forever, but 
you know, I'm probably as good as like a first or second year lawyer that you might hire because I know the business and I know the people and I'm familiar with the legal issues. And, you know, maybe it'll take me a little bit longer to get up to speed on, you know, the law part, but I think I can do it. What do you think? Um, And he said, yeah, I'm in, I'm, I'm in, let's do it. And that's actually kind of what motivated the HR role. Um, because then my manager sort of had second thoughts and said, well, no, actually, I don't want you to go to the legal team. I want to hold on to you in a people function, but why don't you do something that's a little bit more analytical and has sort of a compliance piece um, and that's right. that you know will allow you to exercise a different part of your brain. And so that's actually how I ended up getting into HR. It's such a nice full circle story. I know. <laughs> it's <that's> funny. <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's also that you, you chose an environment because you thought there might be that opportunity to grow into other positions and you were right and, and also made it happen for yourself within that environment. Yeah. And that was, it was a hunch, but it was, I mean, it's one of the things that I continue to love about EF is that it is the kind of company that if you're, if you're you know, if you prove that you're good at something and that you're reasonably smart and you're willing to work really hard, it is the kind of company that will let you try something totally outside of your wheelhouse um, because they have faith that you're going to learn it, right? And they so value that you kind of know the organization and you know the people and the mission. And so I saw that in the interview process because everybody that I had talked to, I mean, the woman who I was replacing was moving to London to go into a different role and um, or into an, a different recruiting role. But she had her MBA. She had been a computer engineer. She started in, in like a, you know, a computer programming role. And then she went into a marketing role. And then she was in a product development role. And then she was in recruiting. And I was like, how can I have that career? Like, that sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah. And so that's what I was looking for. And so I'm, I'm glad that it's panning out yeah. that way. Yeah. And that you sort of have followed your thread, you know, at each step, even if you didn't always know exactly where it was going to take you. Yeah. So I think, I think there's a lot to be learned from yeah. that. Um, so just to start wrapping up, if you now, knowing everything that you know, after this sort of career process could look back at yourself, you know, as a baby lawyer, is there anything you would tell yourself or advice you would have given yourself to do anything differently? Um, I, I probably would have told myself to slow down and be a little bit more patient. I mean, I do think it's sort of a joke how little time I spent practicing law. I mean, I was a, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't think I was much longer no, than you I think you, you at least doubled me, I think, but I, yeah. what were you? Two yeah. Years? Well, I clerked for a year and then yeah. I practiced for like just under two years, like a year and 11 months. I was, I was four years. You so, know, what's so yeah. funny is I guess from my perspective, I was like such a baby when I left that I thought of you as like, I thought you were like close to partner when you left. Like, I, I truly was like, I can't believe Megan's giving this all up right now. <laughs> uh, yes. The perceptions are so different. And you were just one year behind me. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, um, yeah. But I, I think I, that, that is the advice. I mean, I don't have any regrets. Like yeah. I'm really happy with where my career is taking me. It's not at all where I thought I would be. I mean, never in a million years did I think I'd be doing HR. Um, that was never yeah. the goal or the plan, but it's it's been super interesting. But I do think like I probably could have learned a lot more um, had I had a little bit more patience. 
Yeah. Um, well, do you have any sort of resources, any books, whether it's specific to, to this or, you know, podcasts you yeah. listen to or anything that you might, might advise sort of generally to, to people who might be thinking, eh, maybe it's time for me to leave. You know, there's actually, um, it, it's kind of a, an assessment tool that I use now, um, that I didn't do before I left, but I think if I had, it would have been much clearer to me. Or if I had done this even when I was in college, it would have been clear to me that the legal profession probably wasn't a fit for what I'm naturally inclined to mm-hmm. and what I'm good at. Um, it's a tool called Clifton Strengths Finder. Oh, I, I recently did with. this. It was enlightening. Did yes. You? It is. Well, I'm a coach now, so I can coach oh, you. Are you? Results, if you'd like. I am. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we should do that sometime. But, um, it's, I mean, when I got my, my strengths report back, so the whole idea behind this is that we all have natural talents. Um, so things that we're naturally good at and that we enjoy spending time on. And the whole idea behind StrengthsFinder is that you should invest in those talents and turn them into strengths. And so, you know, sort of never mind the things that you're not as good at naturally, um, really just spend time investing in the things that you're naturally good at, because that's what's going to kind of separate you from the pack and allow you to be really successful and be engaged and have a lot of fun in your career. And when I got my StrengthsFinder report back, one, it described me to a T, and two, I thought to myself, this describes no lawyer. Anymore. You know, <laughs> what, like, what were your top strengths, just out of curiosity? Um, so well, some of them are very lawyer-like. Yeah. So my top two are strategic and achiever. And so that is Yeah, that sounds a little lawyerly. Lawyer-like, <laughs> yeah. But, um, and then I have, um, so strategic, achiever, ideation. Hmm. Um, which is sort of like creativity, right. loving to brainstorm, that kind of thing. Um, input, yep, and then individualization. Oh. Um, and so, and I think that's part. That's kind of what's led me down a people path. Um, individualization is kind of seeing what's unique in others and helping them to really express that and figure out how to use it really productively. And that's something that I love that I get to use every day in my job. But then, if you go down to like my full thirty-four, yeah. almost all of my strengths are in the like. The, the people realm right. um, and or like in the relationship building realm and in the analytical thinking realm, which is a little bit more for, you know, uh, geared toward being a lawyer. But my all of my lowest strengths are on influencing others, which is kind of a problem <laughs> when you're in this profession. And so I think, yeah. you know, had I known that going in, um, but anyway, I think it's a, a really fantastic tool. I think it's really enlightening. I, I totally um, agree. And I, and I would I would also recommend that anyone do it just because particularly when you're practicing law, I think you get, you get sort of tunnel vision on certain things, even about yourself. And it might mm-hmm. just kind of jar you into thinking, Oh, wait, maybe, maybe I'm not quite the, you know, lawyer robot that I thought I was. <laughs> totally. And you know, the other thing that I learned from it is that, you know, and and I think you had this experience too, but the hardest part for me about walking away from being a lawyer, it, it wasn't like the money or the prestige. It was just that I wasn't bad at it. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. I was kind of like, I've invested a lot of time in getting the opportunity to be a lawyer and practice law. And I'm not bad at it. Like I'm, you know, it's, I didn't do it long enough to be like, I was really good at it, but like I was where you would expect me to be. And, and probably even a little bit ahead of where you would expect me to be based on like the reviews I was getting and stuff like that. Yeah, right. And that was hard. And, you know, what I learned with some perspective and doing things like StrengthsFinder is that I could do the job and I could do it pretty well, but oh my gosh, it was exhausting. You know, it took everything out of me because it just didn't come naturally. I just wasn't engaged. I just didn't love it. And now that I am doing something that I love, it's just, I get energy from what I'm doing. Right. And that's, that's where we should all be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I think that's a really inspirational note to finish on. So thank you so much for being my first guest. You're welcome. This was a blast. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks again. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Mike's great, no? So I wanted to wrap this up by highlighting a few important takeaways from my conversation with Mike. Um, just because you liked law school and you're good at being a lawyer doesn't mean this is the thing you have to do for the rest of your life. I'm assuming if you got through law school, you're smart. That's a given. You'd probably be good at a lot of things you devoted that much effort to. But if it doesn't make you happy, don't let being good at this be your prison. You probably also have strengths you don't even think of that aren't being fully utilized. Mike mentioned Strengths Finder, which could be a helpful first step in thinking about what skills you do have that you might actually enjoy leaning into. Another point, a pretty easy place to start gathering ideas is with informational interviews. Mike just identified some people doing things he found interesting and talked to them about it. If there's something we're all good at, it's research, so use it to your advantage. I would add to this an encouragement to seek out some people who do very different things, not just because it's good to take a broad approach to considering what other career paths might appeal to you, but because non-lawyers are going to have very different perspectives on a lot of things that just might open your eyes. For example, my husband is in tech, and I remember the first time he was going on an interview after I met him, and he was wearing jeans and a t-shirt. I was horrified. What are you thinking? Like, the idea that you would wear anything but a suit to an interview was insane to me. But from his perspective, if he wore a suit, it would make him look totally out of touch with his industry. The norms are just entirely different. But then you realize there are places you can work where wearing a t-shirt to the interview is totally legit. And maybe you hear that and think, I'd love to do that. Finally, I'll probably harp on this point a bit, but I think it's one of the most important takeaways. It's that you can't anticipate all your future steps. You don't have to come up with one perfect answer. I don't think the goal needs to be or even should be for your next job to be the last job you ever have. It's a step. The important thing is to take it and then continue to refine what it is that makes you happy. So that's it for episode one. Thanks for bearing with me as I try to master all of this podcasting stuff, but I'll see you for the next one.